0: Section twenty of Waverley, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Waverley, or 'Tis Sixty Years Since', Volume One, by Sir Walter Scott. Section twenty. Chapter fifteen a Krieg and its consequences when edward had been a guest at tulliviolen nearly six weeks he descried one morning as he took his usual walk before the breakfast hour signs of uncommon perturbation in the family four bare-legged dairymaids, with each an empty milk-pail in her hand ran about with frantic gestures and uttering loud exclamations of surprise grief and resentment from their appearance a pagan might have conceived them a detachment of the celebrated balladies just come from their bailing penance as nothing was to be got from this distracted chorus excepting lord guide us and eh sirs ejaculations which threw no light upon the cause of their dismay waverley repaired to the forecourt, as it was called where he beheld bailey Mcqueeble cantering his white pony down the avenue with all the speed it could muster he had arrived it would seem upon a hasty summons and was followed by half a score of peasants from the village who had no great difficulty in keeping pace with him the bailey greatly too busy and too important to enter into explanations with edward summoned forth mr saunderson who appeared with a countenance in which dismay was mingled with solemnity and they immediately entered into close conference davy galatly was also seen in the group idle as diogenes at sinope while his countrymen were preparing for a siege his spirits always rose with anything good or bad which occasioned tumult and he continued frisking hopping dancing and singing the burden of an old ballad, Oregers again, until happening to pass too near the Bailey, he received an admonitory hint from his horsewhip, which converted his songs into lamentation. Passing from thence towards the garden, Waverley beheld the Baron in person, measuring and remeasuring with swift and tremendous strides the length of the terrace his countenance clouded with offended pride and indignation and the whole of his demeanour such as seemed to indicate that any inquiry concerning the cause of his discomposure would give pain at least if not offence waverley therefore glided into the house without addressing him and took his way to the breakfast-parlour where he found his young friend rose who though she neither exhibited the resentment of her father the turbid importance of bailey mcweeble nor the despair of the handmaidens seemed vexed and thoughtful a single word explained the mystery your breakfast will be a disturbed one captain waverley a party of caterans have come down upon us last night and have driven off all our milch-cows a party of catarans yes robbers from the neighbouring highlands we used to be quite free from them while we paid blackmail to fergus mac ivor but my father thought it unworthy of his rank and birth to pay it any longer and so this disaster has happened it is not the value of the cattle captain Waverley, that vexes me but my father is so much hurt at the affront and is so bold and hot that I fear he will try to recover them by the strong hand, and if he has not hurt himself, he will hurt some of these wild people, and then there will be no peace between them and us, perhaps for our lifetime. And we cannot defend ourselves as in old times, for the government have taken all our arms, and my dear father is so rash. Oh! what will become of us here poor rose lost heart altogether and burst into a flood of tears the baron entered at this moment and rebuked her with more asperity than waverley had ever heard him use to any one was it not a shame he said that she should exhibit herself before any gentleman in such a light as if she shed tears for a drove of horned knolt, and milch kine like the daughter of a cheshire yeoman captain waverley i must request your favourable construction of her grief which may or ought to proceed solely from seeing her father's estate exposed to spulsy and depredation from common thieves and saunas while we are not allowed to keep half a score of muskets whether for defence or rescue bailey macwebel entered immediately afterwards and by his report of arms and ammunition confirmed the statement informing the baron in a melancholy voice that though the people would certainly obey his honour's orders yet there was no chance of their following the gear to any geared purpose in respect there were only his honour's body servants who had swords and pistols and the depredators were twelve highlanders completely armed after the manner of their country. Having delivered this doleful enunciation, he assumed a posture of silent dejection, shaking his head slowly with the motion of a pendulum when it is ceasing to vibrate, and then remained stationary, his body stooping at a more acute angle than usual, and the latter part of his person projecting in proportion. The baron, meanwhile, paced the room in silent indignation, and at length fixing his eye upon an old portrait, whose person was clad in armour, and whose features glared grimly out of a huge bush of hair, part of which descended from his head to his shoulders, and part from his chin and upper lip to his breastplate. "'That gentleman, Captain Waverley, my grandsire,' he said, with two hundred horse, whom he levied within his own bounds, discomfited and put to the rout more than five hundred of these highland reavers, who have been ever lapis offensionis et petris scandali, a stumbling-block and a rock of offence to the lowland vicinage. He discomfited them, I say, when they had the temerity to descend to harry this country in the time of the civil dissensions in the year of grace sixteen hundred forty and two and now sir i his grandson am thus used at such unworthy hands here there was an awful pause after which all the company as is usual in cases of difficulty began to give separate and inconsistent counsel alexander ab alexandro proposed they should send some one to compound with the catarans who would readily he said give up their prey for a dollar a head the bailey opined that this transaction would amount to theft boot or composition of felony and he recommended that some canny hand should be sent up to the glens to make the best bargain he could as it were for himself so that the laird might not be seen in such a transaction. Edward proposed to send off to the nearest garrison for a party of soldiers and a magistrate's warrant, and Rose, as far as she dared, endeavoured to insinuate the course of paying the arrears of tribute money to Fergus MacIver, Vicchian who, they all knew, could easily procure restoration of the cattle if he were properly propitiated, none of these proposals met the baron's approbation the idea of composition direct or implied was absolutely ignominious that of waverley only showed that he did not understand the state of the country and of the political parties which divided it and standing matters as they did with fergus macaever the baron would make no concession to him were it he said to procure restitution in integrum of every stirk and stot that the chief his forefathers and his clan had stolen since the days of malcolm canmore in fact his voice was still for war and he proposed to send expresses to balmahwapal kilankirit talilam and other lairds who were exposed to similar depredations inviting them to join in the pursuit and then, sir, shall these nebulones nequisimi, as Leslaus calls them, be brought to the fate of their predecessor Caicus, Elisos Oculos, et Sicum sanguine gutta. The Bailey, who by no means relished these warlike counsels, here pulled forth an immense watch, of the colour and nearly of the size of a pewter warming pan, and observed it was now past noon, and that the Catarans had been seen in the pass of Ballybraw soon after sunrise, so that, before the Allied forces could assemble, they and their prey would be far beyond the reach of the most active pursuit, and sheltered in those pathless deserts where it was neither advisable to follow, nor indeed possible to trace them. This proposition was undeniable the council therefore broke up without coming to any conclusion as has occurred to councils of more importance only it was determined that the bailey should send his own three milk cows down to the mains for the use of the baron's family and brew small ale as a substitute for milk in his own to this arrangement which was suggested by saunderson the bailey readily assented both from habitual deference to the family, and an internal consciousness that his courtesy would, in some mode or other, be repaid tenfold. The baron, having also retired to give some necessary directions, Waverley seized the opportunity to ask whether this Fergus, with the unpronounceable name, was the chief thief-taker of the district. Thief-taker? answered Rose, laughing. He is a gentleman of great honour and consequence, the chieftain of an independent branch of a powerful highland clan, and is much respected both for his own power and that of his kith, kin, and allies. And what has he to do with the thieves, then? Is he a magistrate, or in the commission of the peace? asked Waverley. The commission of war, rather, if there be such a thing, said Rose, for he is a very unquiet neighbour to his unfriends, and keeps a greater following on foot than many that have thrice his estate. As to his connection with the thieves, that I cannot well explain, but the boldest of them will never steal a hoof from any one that pays blackmail to Vigian Boa. And what is blackmail? A sort of protection money, that low-country gentlemen and heritors, lying near the highlands, pay to some highland chief that he may neither do them harm himself, nor suffer it to be done to them by others. And then, if your cattle are stolen, you have only to send him word, and he will recover them. Or, it may be, he will drive away cows from some distant place where he has a quarrel and give them to you to make up your loss. Footnote, see note 13. Note 13. MacDonald of Barrisdale, one of the very last highland gentlemen who carried on the plundering system to any great extent, was a scholar and a well-bred gentleman. He engraved on his broadswords the well-known lines be erent artes pachisque imponere morem, pacere subjectus et debilare superbos indeed the levying of blackmail was before seventeen forty five practised by several chiefs of very high rank who in doing so contended that they were lending the laws the assistance of their arms and swords and affording a protection which could not be obtained from the magistracy in the disturbed state of the country the author has seen a memoir of Macpherson of Cluny, chief of that ancient clan, from which it appears that he levied protection money to a very large amount, which was willingly paid even by some of his most powerful neighbours. A gentleman of this clan, hearing a clergyman hold forth to his congregation on the crime of theft, interrupted the preacher to assure him he might leave the enforcement of such doctrines to cluny mcpherson whose broadsword would put a stop to theft sooner than all the sermons of all the ministers of the synod and is a sort of highland jonathan wild admitted into society and called a gentleman so much so said rose that the quarrel between my father and fergus mac ivor began at a county meeting where he wanted to take precedence of all the lowland gentlemen then present only my father would not suffer it and then he upbraided my father that he was under his banner and paid him tribute and my father was in a towering passion for bailey MacWeeble, who manages such things his own way had contrived to keep this blackmail a secret from him and passed it in his account for cess money and they would have fought. But Fergus MacIver said, very gallantly, he would never raise his hand against a grey head that was so much respected as my father's. Oh, I wish, I wish they had continued friends. And did you ever see this Mr. MacIver, if that be his name, Miss Bradwardine? No, that is not his name and he would consider master as a sort of affront only that you are an englishman and know no better but the lowlanders call him like other gentlemen by the name of his estate glenachoeck and the highlanders call him that is the son of john the great and we upon the braes here call him by both names indifferently I am afraid I shall never bring my English tongue to call him by either one or other. But he is a very polite, handsome man, continued Rose, and his sister Flora is one of the most beautiful and accomplished young ladies in this country. She was bred in a convent in France and was a great friend of mine before this unhappy dispute. Dear Captain Waverley, "'Try your influence with my father to make matters up. "'I am sure this is but the beginning of our troubles, "'for Tullyviolan has never been a safe or quiet residence "'when we have been at feud with the Highlanders. "'When I was a girl about ten, "'there was a skirmish fought between a party of twenty of them "'and my father and his servants behind the mains, "'and the bullets broke several panes in the north windows. "'They were so near.' three of the highlanders were killed and they brought them in wrapped in their plaids and laid them on the stone floor of the hall and next morning their wives and daughters came clapping their hands and crying the coronach, and shrieking and carried away the dead bodies with the pipes playing before them i could not sleep for six weeks without starting and thinking i heard these terrible cries and saw the bodies lying on the steps all stiff and swathed up in their bloody tartans. But since that time there came a party from the garrison at Stirling, with a warrant from the Lord Justice Clerk, or some such great man, and took away all our arms, and now how are we to protect ourselves if they come down in any strength? Waverley could not help starting at a story which bore so much resemblance to one of his own daydreams. Here was a girl, scarce seventeen, the gentlest of her sex, both in temper and appearance, who had witnessed with her own eyes such a scene as he had used to conjure up in his imagination as only occurring in ancient times, and spoke of it coolly, as one very likely to recur. He felt at once the impulse of curiosity, and that slight sense of danger which only serves to heighten its interest. He might have said with Malvolio, I do not now fool myself to let imagination jade me. I am actually in the land of military and romantic adventures, and it only remains to be seen what will be my own share in them the whole circumstances now detailed concerning the state of the country seemed equally novel and extraordinary he had indeed often heard of highland thieves but had no idea of the systematic mode in which their depredations were conducted and that the practice was connived at and even encouraged by many of the highland chieftains who not only found the Kriegs or forays Useful for the purpose of training individuals of their clan to the practice of arms, but also of maintaining a wholesome terror among their lowland neighbours, and levying, as we have seen, a tribute from them under colour of protection money. Bailey McWeeble, who soon afterwards entered, expatiated still more at length upon the same topic this honest gentleman's conversation was so formed upon his professional practice that davy gladly once said his discourse was like a charge of horning he assured our hero that from the most ancient times of record the lawless thieves limners and broken men of the helens had been in fellowship together by reason of their surnames for the committing of divers thefts Reefs and her ships upon the honest men of the low country, when they not only intromitted with their holy goods and gear, corn, cattle, horse, nelt, sheep, outsight and inside plenishing at their wicked pleasure, but moreover made prisoners, ransomed them, or concussed them into giving borrows, pledges to enter into captivity again all which was directly prohibited in divers parts of the statute-book both by the act one thousand five hundred and sixty-seven and various others the Wilk statutes with all that had followed and might follow thereupon were shamefully broken and vilipended by the said soreness Limers and broken men associated into fellowships for the aforesaid purposes of theft stuthrif fire-raising murder raptus miliarum, or a abduction of women and such like as aforesaid it seemed like a dream to waverley that these deeds of violence should be familiar to men's minds and currently talked of as falling within the common order of things, and happening daily in the immediate vicinity, without his having crossed the seas, and while he was yet in the otherwise well ordered island of Great Britain. End of section twenty. Recording by Felicity Campbell, Whanganui, New Zealand.